Today on Vulnerable, I get a chance to speak with Jasmine Starr. She is a CEO and founder of Social Curator, a social media marketing company in which she has helped over 35,000 business owners market themselves on social media. She is so inspirational, so positive, and today we talk about her journey to become a social media maven. I'm Christy Carlson Romano, and this is The Vulnerable Podcast. I am so lucky to have Jasmine Starr here today. Her time is extremely valuable, and I so appreciate you coming today to speak with me. I thank you, and I'm mean, like the caveat: all of our time is valuable. It is the <laughs> one thing that is not duplicatable, and it is the one thing that is the most precious. So the fact that we are investing in each other and we're investing in a community makes me so happy. So to here's Aww. here's to all of our valuable time. You know, I was just listening to your podcast pretty much all morning and and getting so psyched to to be able to to speak with you. And that will not be the last time that I'm going to be listening to your podcast because you were just so inspirational. And just, I always, I followed you for, I want to say like two, three years. And it's been really great to see your content because it's helped me along the way, even though some of it's, you know, more business focused, but you also speak to creators as just a whole. And I've just loved the tone of your content. You've always been on my shortlist to be able to speak with. So, and now we're making it happen. I'm so, I'm very, I'm very happy. And we have a friend, Erin Noel, recently styled me and she said that oh, she knows you. Oh, she does. You know, after, after becoming a mom in 2020 and then going through a pandemic and figuring mm-hmm. out how to step into a new version of me, um, I've had the opportunity to speak on stages and I feel very not fashionable. I am just like, wait, wait, wait. Are you telling me that yoga pants and a sweatshirt is unacceptable attire to give a presentation? <laughs> <laughs> like, so I actually, and this is actually the beauty of connectivity online. It's like when people will reach out, they're engaging with your content. They're real humans on the other side of it. She was building a styling business and she gave a lot of like tips and insights about fabrications and stuff that shows up on camera. And she's like, I'm a stylist. And I'm like, what do you do? And so we started a conversation organically. And it's just been so great to find somebody who watches content and then gives suggestions. And you know, when there's like a big opportunity, I'm like, Erin, I need some help, girl. I'm gonna turn to you. (laughs) I know. Actually, she's my, she's like my first call too. And yeah, please go check her out. uh, Miss Erin Noel. She's a great stylist and we love her. So in Vulnerable, I really like to take it back. I really love to kind of trace your journey a little bit and and see how, you know, you found your way to, you know, just the icon that you are. <laughs> oh, well, that's no pressure. Um, I don't think, you know, icon is not a word I would use remotely in association to what I do. I would mm-hmm. kind of switch the word with somebody who's scrappy and determined. I feel like that's yeah. closely how I identify. So I am the first generation okay. Latina. My father's from Mexico. My mother is from Puerto Rico. They met in East Los Angeles and that's where they started family. So a little bit, uh, I kind of really joke that my family was so blue collar we were like almost purple so um we uh you know I mean like it was What's like my dad purple I mean I I mean it was like this deep I mean like so here's the thing it's like we're like I would if you were asking my dad he wouldn't say that we were like blue collar he would say that we're Dodgers blue except for the fact that my dad has a very thick accent so it's like Dodgers uh Dodgers blue um so Dodgers um so like my dad was like a cook at a college and he was a septic tank cleaner and he would um, cut trees like he would do whatever it took to put food yeah. on the table and wow. when I was in high school my dad started a church in East Los Angeles and my dad doesn't have a college education he never went to seminary it was just there weren't a lot of churches in East Los Angeles and he's like let's just yeah. get a group of people who are about God and let's have conversations yeah. and let's change the community and now oh, wow. many years later you know the church has over 5,000 people it's thriving it's active but I think that what it showed me was oftentimes unqualified people are called to do big and amazing things. And we could choose to tell ourselves a story that there could be somebody else who's better, stronger, smarter, prettier, thinner, whatever the case may be. And we can use any adjective to take ourselves out of the running or out of an equation. And it was watching my father do something that was rather unexpected and really pushed me to go to college. So I went to college on a full scholarship and then I got a 
full scholarship to UCLA Law School. And it was there that I'm like, oh, this is a thing that I should be doing. Like, I should be going to law school because daughter of an immigrant, like, hey, brown girls, like, let's be let's let's be somewhere that we're not normally represented. And then I just realized I was really unhappy. It just was not for me. My mom had a relapse of brain cancer and Mm. I decided to take a medical leave from school. And it was during this time that I married my high school sweetheart. I really wanted mm-hmm. my mom to see us get married. And mm-hmm. it was around this time that he had asked, like, what do I, what do I want to do? And I'm like, I know I don't want to go back to law school. I was struggling with depression. I couldn't figure out what I wanted to do with my life. I felt like I didn't have any purpose. And he asked if you could do one thing for the rest of your life, what would it be? And I said, I Wow, what a sweet I question. Be. It's the kindest question. Honest to God, it, the way that you would ever want to express your love or support would just yeah. to ask that question to somebody. It's like, what do you want to do with your one wild and beautiful life? And it forced me to like vocalize something that I didn't even really give myself the permission to. And I said, I want to be a photographer. And he's wow. like, okay, so you're going to need a camera. And I'm like, you're right. I don't, I don't have a camera. <laughs> like, you know, it's like, <laughs> I just have this idea of this thing that I want to do. And a couple months later for Christmas, he went to Best Buy and bought me a camera off the shelf. And I didn't know it then, but it would act as a passport for me to create the first of many businesses. I became an internationally recognized photographer. I created a seven-figure revenue business on the back of doing what is unexpected, right? So for all intents and purposes, I was unqualified, unconnected, unfunded. I was uneducated in the scope of the industry I wanted to get into. And now looking back and I'm like, wow, if if I could do it, like if somebody who is traditionally marginalized in the business world, in the funding world, in a, mm-hmm. perhaps a creative space could do it, I now become a champion. Like I'm a behemoth champion for other people who say the odds are stacked against me or I don't think I could do this thing. And now all I want to do is like shake them lovingly and say, no, go and do, go and do. Now, can I ask you a personal question? Please. I'm, a, I'm an open book. I love it. Oh my God. I love this. Did your mom shake you? lovingly ever was it who how did you Mm. hear this calling I know that you said you were inspired by your dad and Mm. of course our mothers are 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 so important to us whether we like it or not you know they're they're our mamas (laughs) (laughs) and what was that experience like going from you know I'm sure I'm sure you were a great student at UCLA and you had aspirations to continue you know your education But sort of being in that rat race, that pipeline, you know, of, Mm -hmm. okay, you know, immigrant daughter, I'm going to do this whole thing and and go one, two, three. Where Mm. was your mom in that? Like, where was where was the voices inside you calling you to Mm. to sort of almost like the siren song of another path? My mom is like like the heart of a hippie and the soul of like a pirate. So she's all about adventure and having no rules. So we were, <laughs> she homeschooled five of her children. And so I didn't learn how to read until I was 11, 11 and a half. And there was just mm-hmm. never parameters. There was never like, honest to God, Christy, I don't even know my multiplication table to today. Yeah, like well, if you ask me what five times does. six is, I'm like, I have no, honest to God, we're stuck y'all. We are stuck. It's <laughs> called <laughs> Alexa. It's a calculator <laughs> on your phone. You know? Nobody uses math unless they're math. This is before, this is before any of that stuff. So it was so counterculture to what other parents Mm -hmm. were like, you have to be book smart and you have to do this. And so going to college, my parents never put any expectation on us. And I say us, I have a twin sister. So you'll often hear me refer to myself as a plural. And so, yeah, (laughs) so I have a fraternal twin sister. But I'm like, I'm for it. Yeah, you know, me and my sister personalities. Yes, yes. Yes. Um, So um, they never put any pressure on us to go to college. That was really self-instilled. It was something that I like looked around with where I lived and I'm like, this is great, but I know there's more. And when I was in college, I started noticing that there was like different lifestyles, different paths. And I just thought, well, it would be by proxy an extension. Oh, I'm going to go to law school. This is the thing I'm going to do. And it, when it was, I was there and I had distinctly sat with my father at dinner and I was so, so, so sad. Like I was struggling distinctly with depression and I expressed that to him. I started pursuing different avenues for figuring out how to work my way out of it. And he had said, I would never want, he's like, I came to this country and I took every job and I did everything so that my children would never have to experience what it meant to do something that they did not want to do. And he said, if you do not want to do this, run, run. Wow. Run. And he was, yeah. Oh yeah. Wow. What an important word, right? Mm -hmm. Like run into the direction that, you know, is going to make you happy too. Mm -hmm. There's. 
the language that we use, I'm sure you know, is like as parents, it's like, I have a lot of generational <laughs> things that I'm breaking down. And, and so much of that comes from the words that we speak to them because it becomes mm. like their inner voice over time, you know? Mm. That's really, that's really interesting that, that he said that. So, and I also would think that seeing your dad create a community of people like that in that amount of time in your lifetime must have been really heartwarming and in, and in its own way, inspirational for you to go out and eventually find community. Absolutely. Absolutely. And I think that when you went back and you had asked if my mom was the, the person who, you know, took me by the proverbial shoulders and gave me a good emotional shake, the answer is mm -hmm. yes and no, because she never said it and she never did it in that way. But I, I, I will mm -hmm. never forget walking into USC Norris Hospital in downtown Los Angeles, and it was New Year's Eve and my mom had had mm -hmm. brain surgery. And we weren't supposed to be, it was after visiting hours, but the nurses were so kind. They kind of just looked the other way because it was New Year's Eve. And my yeah. mom was bald and myself and my four siblings and my dad had taken like noisemakers, streamers, anything to kind of like liven my mom's spirit. And I thought to mm -hmm. myself, my God, my mom is 50 and I'm 25. And if I have 25 years left in my life, I don't want to die a lawyer. And so in a way, it was like the reconciliation between like what is predictable and what is safe versus what is good and what is risky and what is wholesome and what is fun and what is a life well lived to to the extremities. And I just thought to myself, if, if it was a moment, it was kind of like this this reckoning of, wow, I know what my life is going to look like if I finish school. And then I don't mm. know what my life is going to look like if I pick up and walk away. And I, looking back, you know, I took the path definitely that was a lot more narrow and a little bit more dark and treacherous. And I'm so happy I did. I'm so <laughs> yeah, happy. Bet. So, and then your husband, I mean, it sounds like he was really supportive at that sort of a darker time. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Do you feel like your relationship deepened drastically after your mom's passing? Or was it more like you were healing and sort of having, again, those seeds of, I don't know, something, uh, uh, that pirate spirit that your mom almost <laughs> transferred over to you, the seeds of that were sort of growing inside you. Do you think like, did he see that in you or like, what it's does so that say? It's so crazy. Okay, so there's yeah, a couple please. things. Like, let me start off with like the peak, the, the peak and the unexpected surprise and delight that I failed to mention, which is my fault, is that my mom's a walking miracle. She, I spoke to her just this morning uh, against all odds she had brain cancer and she also had cancer of the central nervous system for all intents and purposes she should not be around she is a walking <laughs> miracle this is when you talk about like oh there was a community of people in east los angeles and like like is it heartwarming and i'm like it's beyond heartwarming like i firmly believe that there was a group of people who are praying for a divine healing and a miracle and in our particular case in our particular story there was abundance of grace and mercy and instantaneous resolution aka a miracle so the fact that all of that had happened when i say that my my mom, you know, took me by the shoulders. It absolutely was that because it forced me to make a decision without knowing what the outcome was. And so to have her still be by my father's side and still be pouring into a community that is traditionally overlooked is such a powerful, powerful thing. They have given their life in service of others, but on the back of that, so many people have showed up for them in big and massive ways. So mm -hmm. there is that. But at the time, going back to the original question, was my husband, I was dating, uh, I was dating my husband at the time. We were high school sweethearts. So we met 16, like the, we had just turned 17. So this is the summer going into our senior year and I meet this guy and he's just so charming and he's nice and he's so different from all of the other guys that I had ever met. No, I hadn't, I had never had a boyfriend up until this point. Mm -hmm. I was very, I was nerdy. I, I studied, I'm like, it's college. Like not, I put my blinders on, I'm going to school. And then I meet this really, really great guy. And so then we date long distance for two years. He has a soccer scholarship in the Bay Area. And then he transfers back down to Southern California. We both graduate from our respective colleges in Southern California. I go to UCLA Law School. Now he is, oh, he's just a lover's lover. Like he's just, he like, mm, he's basically, he's basically <laughs> a Latino Cupid. Okay. Like he's, Cuban. Okay. He, he just, he loves love and he loves yeah. doing life with somebody. And so he had said, we should get married before you go to law school. And I'm like, mm -hmm. no, 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 no. You see, I have this expel spreadsheet that like my life, <laughs> like I need to do some things on my own. Like it was this weird. And then all of a sudden when my mom had a relapse, I just looked at him. I'll never forget. He came over to a studio apartment 
And he sat with me and I just said, like, I don't know what I need to do, but I need my mom to see us get married. Like, this is the thing that I know. It is you. I want to live in a shoebox eating cereal with you for the rest of my life. I need to do it together. And it was like this, like, big difference where all of a sudden it's like, who cares about timelines? None of that matters anymore. It's just like, let's do this. And so he proposed. We planned a wedding. We got married in less than three months. My mom walked me down the aisle. She was bald. She was wearing a patch. She had palsy. It was this crazy thing, but she was there. And so I think about back to that time and going back to the original question was, did he see or experience a change in the, 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 the answer was like unequivocally yes. Like he yeah. saw like the 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 depths and the pain of grappling with loss and questioning. Mm-hmm. He saw me through taking risks of not going back to school. He saw right. the way that my family had rallied, and then he saw me and or our relationship change as as a as a product of everything. And we ended up yeah. on the much better side of it. That's so amazing. And you said like do life with someone. Like I, I'm really blessed to have my husband as my producing partner. And as I always like to say, <laughs> I've played a numbers game in my dating background. But <laughs> I found a good one and I trapped him. And we really do love working together and we spend a lot of lot of time together. And it is deeply enriched daily and with the wins and the risks and all that stuff, like we do them together. And You know, he's inspired me so much to grow and really to sort of build community that would and sort of like like in in that same way where it's like he's like, let's unlock your potential. Let's unlock your narrative. Mm -hmm. Who you really are does matter to a lot of people out there who grew up with you or knew you. And maybe if you have something positive to say, that's going to reach the right you know, reach the right people. Mm-hmm. And so I, I personally, okay, for me that that was um that was TikTok and it sort of blew open the doors of like community for me and I've not really had a social media community, you know, fan club uh, anything like that really in my in my history, right? Cuz when I was working for Disney, a lot of that was sort of just uh, filtered through, like there was no social media back then. Yeah. So right. TikTok really, really shed light on so much. And I certainly started, you know, following people like you and the Jewel Solomons, you know, everybody, Jenna Kutcher, mm. like all these, all these amazing women that I feel like were going through their own stuff, you know, learning about the algorithms in real time with us, but just having mm. a really unique take on it all. So, I'm really curious about how you go from making a great living as this photographer to then sort of diving deeper and deeper and deeper into being sort of this very public person and coach, consultant, and everything that you are. So how how did that all happen from there going forward? So I always want to make sure, Christy, that like as people are listening, that it's not, oh, this is how one person did it. The goal for me is always how do we scale a conversation so that at the end of the conversation, somebody says, wow, I can apply at least one thing from this conversation Mm -hmm. to have a profound impact in my life. And so for me, how I ended up being able to pivot multiple times in my career was on the deep and profound understanding that like we learn more about ourselves every time we do something new. And we have the choice to stay in the safe and predefined box that we have created for ourselves. And it's a great box. We love the box. We designed the box. We painted the box. We decorated the box. We love the box. The box is safety. But then all of a sudden you start growing and you become a little tiny bit taller than the box. So your eyes are peeking over just over the ledge and you can see that there is something else out Mm. there. And then the question becomes, will you continue to grow and expand beyond the box? But the trick is you have to leave the box. There's no such thing as being in two boxes at the same Mm -hmm. time. And so I understood after watching my mom go through multiple iterations of her life and then when we, what we thought was the end of her life, never thinking about the things that she did, she was questioning all the things that she had not done. Mm-hmm. And I thought to myself, am I going to, on my deathbed, come what may, wonder what if? And it, I made a very clear decision at 25 years old, I don't want to wonder what if. I would rather fail miserably knowing that I had valiantly, courageously tried something new. Valiantly and courageously hopped from one box to another. So my journey 
And what I encourage people to do is to understand is just like, how do you grow beyond? It's being willing to leave your safety and comfort zone and step out into the unknown, trusting that whatever the unknown will bring will be the better side of yourself, will bring the next iteration and evolution of who you are. So for me, I started off as a photographer. I didn't own a camera. And then all of a sudden I started this free thing called a blog. And all I did in the blog, Christy, was I just wrote about my experience and I was writing and sharing about what I was learning and what I was doing. And lo and behold, people started booking me by way of my blog. I didn't even I couldn't afford a website. I couldn't afford business cards. And so I just started creating content in the blog. And then I realized that the blog was unidirectional. So I would write, people would come to read, but there wasn't a way to scale the conversations. And crazy things like Twitter and Facebook came around Mm -hmm. and I started realizing, oh, okay, I can take pieces of the blog, insert them on social media and create a two-way conversation that scales. That is when my mind blew open because there was a difference between running a business online and then there was a difference of having an online business. Mm. And I realized that once I saw that there was an online Uh. business, there was a way to expand beyond just like a one-to-one client transaction, everything in my mind exploded. So I still was taking client work. And then what I realized that there was other photographers who wanted to know and get information about how I was making a business Mm -hmm. as a creative. Mm -hmm. And I never thought that I'm like, "I, I can't get paid for that. And then lo and behold, I actually started creating just small resources and I was charging like $12.99, $15.99 for yeah. these small like educational resources and things like that. Right. Built a store, didn't had no, had no idea how to build a store. I just went to Google, was like, okay, I'll just upload a few files and I guess this is how it works. And then all of a sudden I would wake up and then I would see, oh, there's transactions that are coming into my bank account. Mm, wow. Then different people outside of the photography world started to ask, different types of creatives. So graphic designers, public speakers, authors, and they were asking, could you teach us how to make a business as a creative? And my first answer was, well, no, of course not. I don't do what you do. So imposter syndrome crept in. And that is when I started realizing that the box, I saw over the lid of the box. And I was like, there's a different box. So I started creating consulting and education. And then I realized that it, it couldn't scale. I could, I was limited to how many hours. So I was trading dollars for hours. Right. And I thought to myself, is there a way for me to stop trading dollars for mm-hmm. hours? And that's when I got into the world of online education. I can create long form pieces of content, educating different types of business owners, how to build a brand, how to market their business, right. how to get off their bum and do the thing they want and make money along the way. As a daughter of an immigrant, I'm like, I'm living the life. Yeah. Like I'm teaching people how to take control of their finances and how to go and be creative and make money and change their family legacy. And then I realized that I got to a point where I'm like, oh, there is a gap. There is a gap in education and there is a gap in action. The gap between the two. So it's not enough. So Chrissy, people are listening to your podcast and they listen to all these guests Mm -hmm. and they're like, wow, I'm learning more. Mm -hmm. But the beauty is learning more mm-hmm. and the liability is learning more mm-hmm. because the more you learn, the more you add to a list of things you have not yet <laughs> t- done. And then you list all the things that could go wrong when you actually start taking action. Yeah. So people, the vast majority of people will stay in a perpetual state of malcontent uh-huh. and inactivity. Mm-hmm. And so I decided again to pivot my career. And I thought to myself, is there a way that I would be able to empower people to take action, not just on what they learn, mm-hmm but action in being proactive in building out whatever it is, their personal brand, their business, getting followers. And so then I did something that I've done in the past, which is I have no idea what I'm doing. I'm just going to become the CEO of a tech company. We built out a tech platform where we provide education and resources and a planning app. And we get people from education to action. And that's currently where I'm at. Dude, that's just mind boggling. So bringing it back to to you saying you kind of had this like awakening after you were starting to see the scalability in the wedding photography business and community, I should say, Mm -hmm. not just, Mm -hmm. oh, wow, this is passive income now, right? Which is the first step Mm -hmm. of anyone trying to have some financial freedom. But after that and the scalability model, like where did you learn that? Were you going to business school or did you have any sort of mentorship? Along the way, I just read on the internet a couple days ago. It's like the best business school is starting a business. Yeah. Like, honestly, I had no clue what I was doing. But this is honest to God, Christy, the more that you sit in the okayness of the suck, like it's going to suck (laughs) and you have to be okay with it. It's like, how do you learn how to scale? Well, like, I'm like, well, 
I don't know. I'm like, how do I get more attention on the thing that I want? Mm -hmm. And it's kind of like new levels, new devils, Mm -hmm. because all of a sudden I started realizing early in my career that getting enough attention and putting a big wave of of new users, clients, customers, whatever on the front end, if you didn't have a system on the back end, you're like, oh my God, it's another thing. So it's like being in business is just facing a new problem every day and being able to wake up the next day and be like, thank you, sir, I'll, I'll have another. <laughs> like every day is just like a sucker punch to the stomach. Um, but hey, I mean, people are like, how do you learn? I'm like, by doing, by getting punched in the face and then getting up the next day and doing it again. Oh, wow. You are super resilient then because you're right. You're okay to put yourself out there. And then it's almost, would you say it's a gamble then if you're putting yourself out there? And, and of course, like I'm sure one of the most important things is authenticity and sort of putting it out there in a way that costs you something emotionally. Otherwise, people can't really tie themselves to that movement, mm-hmm. so to speak. And it, so it has to mean something to you as you're doing that. But if you're like waking up every day and, and making these authentic choices, I mean, how do you suggest people deal with that resilience and building that resilience up so that they don't get traumatized from being an entrepreneur? I mean, so much of that happens, I'm sure. Mm. Here's the thing, Christine. My dad earned his citizenship by enlisting in the United States Marine Corps. So a lot of like my childhood, like my father is just like, he's just like a no-nonsense kind of guy. And I think it just kind of rubbed off on me. Oh, my husband was a former Marine. Yes. All right. Jarheads. Okay. So you know, you know how they have a very distinct view of the world. Okay. Yes. Very distinct. Like it's matter of fact, this is just, this is the state of it. And you happen to it as a Marine. It does not happen to you. Correct. And so for me- it, it became a matter of choosing my hard. We all have very hard lives, different versions of hard, but hard. Mm. Having a, a marriage full of communication is hard. Mm-hmm. Having a marriage dissolve for lack of communication is hard. Mm-hmm. Choose your hard. Mm-hmm. Running a business and pursuing your dreams is hard. Staying mm-hmm. in a cubicle wildly unhappy with a threshold of how much you can make in your life is hard. Choose your hard. Get, waking up every single day to get punched in the gut is hard. But also not hard is not doing the thing that you've been put on this earth to do. Choose your hard. I, I just it. look at it as like, what hard am I going to choose today? And how am I going to find gratitude in the process of it? Honestly, I don't know. What speaks through you? Honestly, Jasmine, you're amazing. And I'm sorry to gush about you, but I I really do love you so much. And I'm a fan, fangirling over here. But like the feeling is mutual, Christy. The feeling is mutual. Thank you. And I don't know what the next question, but I want to preface, but whatever the next question comes is Rumi said it best. And I think I'm going to ruin the quote, but in order for the light to shine through, we must be broken. Mm -hmm. And if anything that if what I say, if it resonates with somebody, it's because we happen to be broken in the same way. Mm-hmm. And so I just speak my truth and I just lay it all out there knowing that there's people who are listening who are just as much excited, inspired, oh, I'm ready to go, as mm-hmm. there are people who are like, I don't like it. Mm-hmm. I don't like her. I don't <laughs> like this. I don't like it. And in both of those situations, Christy, I am thankful. I only mm-hmm. want to do one of two things. I want to attract somebody into my orbit or I want to push them very far away. I want us to start embracing the fact that we will not be for everybody. And that is a good thing. So I wanted to start there with that conversation. I let you know, like, I don't wake up and I'm like, oh, this is so great. Like, no, I just am choosing to be okay with people not liking me. I'm cool. I am Choose cool your that. heart, I guess, right? Choose like, your heart. That's right. And that's one thing, right. like, if you're going to be online and do business online and, and be, you know, a public mm-hmm. person online, that's just not something something you're going to be able to get away with. And I've been saying more outspoken things as a way of connecting and growing. And it's and it has it's been a crazy ride to see the reactions and the attraction mm-hmm. of different demographics and different parts of my demographic and all that and how everyone reacts. And it's all just one big test, which I know you've spoken about. And, you know, just like just test, like don't mm-hmm. judge all the things that you're going to put out there, just test. And and that is choosing hard for sure <laughs> mm-hmm. to to be like, I'm going to make this content and it may just bomb and bomb again and bomb again. But I love that. I, I In an acting class I had, this was actually a gentleman who's now currently married to Beyonce's mom. <gasps> uh, oh, do tell. <laughs> okay. He, he was an acting coach and he was a very, very good acting coach of mine. And 
he used to say that, I think it was the Tiger Woods documentary where they said that the winners have amnesia and they don't remember the times that they have failed, that they mostly just keep going until they win and they just don't remember it. So it's that mentality that I try to locate and to have sort of influential people like yourself and even listening to your podcasts, even if it doesn't apply to a business that I'm running, the way that I've been sort of taking your stuff is that it applies to me as the business, me, my brand. Your as, brand. Yeah, absolutely. I feel like but it's we a all one have for a brand. One. We all have, we, it, well, we all have a brand. Like your your mailman has a brand. The checker mm-hmm. at the grocery store has a brand. Mm-hmm. We all have a brand. In a brand, like, so Seth Godin defines a brand as a series that set expectations and memories that taken together account for a consumer's decision to choose one business over another. Mm. But like the hood version is just <laughs> a brand is what somebody says about you when you're not in the room. <laughs> and the brand that is Christy, oh, oh my you're gosh. having people, y- your brand is ha- why somebody will choose to listen to your podcast or 10,000 others. Mm-hmm. Why they're going to like, comment, engage with one of your TikToks than anybody else's. Yeah. Why they are going to subscribe to your newsletter. Everybody right. has a brand. All we're trying to do is expand the brand for a small group of people right. who will tell one person. That's mm-hmm. it. Your objective is not to be liked by everybody. Your objective is to have one person who will advocate for you. Car- Dale Carnegie said it best, is that your business, and we could just substitute you, you will go farther being genuinely interested in two other people than trying to get 2,000 people interested in you. Mm-hmm. That is the brand that Christie's building, is you showing up for the two people who tell two people mm-hmm. who tell two people. Mm-hmm. That's it. That's amazing. And so what I was, what, what the question before the roomie quote was going to be, was how are you so damn good at your job? <laughs> how, how, like, what speaks through you? Are you reading books? Are you inspired by certain people? Like, how are you so able to command your brand, your presence, and even just speak publicly? I know this is something else that you've grown to to sort of mm-hmm. be able to do and whatnot, but but why? Why are you so good, Jasmine? <laughs> I mean this in all the best way. Well, it's the same reason why somebody, when we look at somebody who does a triathlon and we mm-hmm. just look at them and our, like our jaws are slack and we look at them like, wow, you swam a mile and you ran 10 miles and you cycled 30 miles. Like what the heck? And mm-hmm. this person will say, yes, it was a feat, but it's something I practice for. <laughs> okay. <laughs> it, 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 it is it, it is just that. When somebody's like, well, how did you answer that question? I'm like, well, because I've been preparing for this question every single day. Yeah. I write my own content. I create my own things. I create my own thoughts. And so when somebody asks me a question, it's just like, oh, well, I've been doing this for over a decade. So if somebody wants to look at a siloed conversation between Christy and I, I'd be like, wow, she's something. And I'm like, well, actually, you should probably check out what I've been creating in 2007. It wasn't that great. And over the years, because I did, because I willingly got up every day and got punched in the face. And when mm-hmm. I would write something and somebody said, that's wrong, that's not, that's what it is. Like, so I started writing in the beginning, like educational photography post. And people were like, you just wrote about a lens that doesn't exist. And I was like, I Googled it. I was like, they're right. I fixed it and watched. I never made that mistake again. And it's like, when right. people are like, wow, you just knew how to find the right words. I'm like, well, I said the wrong ones for a very long time. And then I just decided mm-hmm. not to quit. So mm-hmm. I can't lose because I didn't quit. Interesting. So how much of your worldview has to do with the success then? It it seems like a lot in terms of not letting yourself get down and and having sort of a clear definition of what your worldview is. Like how does that impact my my success? Just your, just your, yeah. I mean, your ability to keep going. I know we've, we've mentioned sort of being punched in the face, but Mm -hmm. what, what I've found in the time that I've been in the entertainment industry is that I struggle with my worldview. I struggle with not being jaded. And I think so much of that happens not only just with comments, commentary is the least of my worries, but rejection, competition, negative self-talk, like I said, generational stuff that people probably just, depression, some people do struggle with depression. Some people struggle with alcoholism. Me, I've been sober for like, I guess, since my first baby, so like six and a half years. And it's the best thing I could have done to sort of help that worldview mm. get on the right path. But how, do, how? what do you say to people who maybe do have a negative worldview currently or are circling being able to shed that? How do they mm. baptize themselves to be more like that? So 
we just talked about like doing the work. And prior to this call, in addition to other podcasts I had done, I had a 25 minute window and I thought to myself, well, I could take 25 minutes or I can maximize the 25 minutes I have now so that I can spend more time with my daughter. And I started mm-hmm. writing and I started writing a presentation that I'm going to be giving. And I started doing a little bit of research. And according to the National Science Foundation, the average person thinks about 60,000 thoughts a day and 80% of those thoughts are negative. Oh, wow. And Dr. Joe Dispenza takes it even farther and he had said, Of the thoughts that you think a day, 90% of those thoughts are the same thoughts you thought the previous day. Wow. Yeah. So what then is a belief? A belief is the same thought you think again and again and again, and you think it so often that it becomes a belief. Right. In our mind, the most, the strongest muscle that we have is mm-hmm. our mind. So mm-hmm. we're telling our mind the same thoughts, and then, then mm-hmm. the thoughts become beliefs, and then we tell ourselves that this is the worldview, when in all actuality, if we were just to flip the script and start asking questions like, well, why do I think it's this way? Mm-hmm. What if I am aware? Or if I became cognizant of the thoughts that I'm thinking that are impeding my worldview, or mm-hmm. on positivity, negativity, or anything on the in-between, if I start questioning why I am saying those things. And I started applying these principles to everything across the board, Christy. Yeah. My, I struggled with my weight. I grew up obese. And so I, you see, I struggle so distinctly with what that looks like from the backside of not looking at every piece of food as if it's like a caloric value, looking mm-hmm. at the size of my jeans or looking anything like that. And I started talking and understanding that if I stopped the thought, if I stopped the thought of you shouldn't have eaten that to how nourishing is this for your body? And maybe you'll make a different decision about that tomorrow. But for today, we appreciate that our body is healthy enough to process something that maybe is questionable whether or not you should have eaten it. That small shift. Now, if we take that into somebody who's just like, well, so just this morning, I taught a live class and somebody had said, well, I'm terrible at sales. That's why my business isn't working. And I thought to myself, well, if you say you're terrible at sales, you're right. And if you say I'm learning how to get better at sales, you're right. So choose the narrative. Be cognizant of the thoughts that you're thinking because what you think actually your brain maps to it. So if you say, I can't do this, your brain has been told. It's been released. It's been unshackled. I don't have to figure it out. But if you were to look at the same situation and say, I don't know the answer now, but I'm going to figure it out, then the brain actively starts working at figuring out how to do this. So let's go back to like this worldview or being jaded or wondering why or taking those impressions. We start questioning why we feel that certain way and ask ourselves, it takes just as much energy for me to have an opinion that is negative. Mm -hmm. For me to tell a story, for me to say that this person must have said something, this Mm -hmm. person looked at me this way, I'm telling myself a story and it takes just as much energy for me to think that the reason why this person looked at me when I was in public making a TikTok was they thought I was stupid, vain, fat, Mm -hmm. ugly. It takes just as much energy for me to say this person's looking at me in public and they're really proud that I'm doing something courageous or they're kind of interested in what I'm doing. Mm -hmm. They're both stories. Mm -hmm. Which story am I going to choose? Choosing a different story and questioning my commonly held beliefs has had a profound impact on the way that I see the world. Amazing. So, so you have a TED talk, no? No. Why? Oh, I maybe, no, you're just going to, you're just going to, you're going to call it into existence. Because I'm honestly, calling it Christy, into existence. But honestly, so here's the thing. On, on, so TED Talk, it's been positioned so well for thought leaders and people to present a new thing. And what I have always been good at, and I didn't know I was good at until I into adulthood, is I'm good at finding patterns. I'm good at taking these ideas and being like, oh, this person, like, so Angela Duckworth talks about grit and Simon Sinek talks about the reason why people do things. And Seth Godin talks about branding. And so what I do is I create a patchwork quilt of other people's really great stuff. And then like, I distill it down for people who need to hear it in Mm -hmm. my way. Mm -hmm. And so a TED talk would be like, I'd kind of be like the best of. So then Seth said this and Angela (laughs) said that and Brene said that. I wouldn't have any new ideas, but I'm like, I'm just going to breathe. It's like a remix. Um, I'd be like the DJ of TED talks. Um, New ideas and my ideas, maybe, maybe they will come one day. But even Mm -hmm. if they don't, I'm just great and fine being a curator of other people's thoughts and breaking it down and distilling it for what it means actually for business owners. Wow. So you're just like this very like clean vessel. To, to be the conduit for all of the research that you're doing and distilling it, like you're saying, to, to the people so that they can really truly take away. Now, but let's talk about your community and sort of the impact. It says that you've like helped like 35,000 business owners, probably mm-hmm. more than that. 
I'd imagine mm-hmm. at this point. Mm-hmm. So these are people who've gone through a training program who are active users of Social Curator. These are people who are making the decision to behave differently, to get different results. So Einstein said it best. He said, insanity is doing the same thing again and again and expecting a different result. Mm-hmm. And so then there are so many people building personal brands, wanting to become the PTA president, wanting to become the mayor of their city, and they're doing mm-hmm. the same thing, expecting they're going to get a different outcome. So we must change to get changes. And so mm-hmm. the community, I have built it's kind of like two prong at least now I have my personal brand the way that you have your personal brand Mm -hmm. and then I also have the brand that is social curator and this is for a group of people who are deciding to make change when it comes to marketing their business and I think it's just been like this incredible opportunity for like-minded people Mm -hmm. scrappy ready to go hungry to do whatever Mm -hmm. it takes to get the results and that's been a really great adventure a good group of people to be around Yeah, it it must be like I was going to say, like these people that like what you were saying, if they're seeing something that light coming out of you, they're broken in the same way as you. So they're that scrappiness, Mm -hmm. that commitment that they have to really take your messages and, you know, apply them daily, which, you know, it kind of reminds me of what it means to be, you know, actively sober and sort of taking it a day at a time and Mm -hmm. sort of, you know, tackling some of those big issues and listening to your higher power and all that. Mm -hmm. And so it feels like a similar sort of welcoming, loving community that you have there of people who really do need each other. How much of that community have you felt like has has really become so well-designed that people are actively connecting with one another as social curators? Oh, like it's, it's so often, like oftentimes if I'm doing group coaching, mm-hmm. um, somebody will express X and somebody has a complimentary Y and they're like, oh, do you think that we can hop on a Zoom after and chat about it? So we see a lot of interconnectivity because it isn't a platform for one distinct industry. It's a platform mm-hmm. for people who are desiring to do anything from, I mean, I didn't even know, like somebody had said, I'm a milliner and I had to Google, what's a milliner? Yeah, like you know a hat maker. Is that like a hat yes! maker? <laughs> See, Christy, you smart girl, you smart. I got to know that word, yeah. Yeah, I think I found that out because of my wedding or something. Okay. See, you fancy and fashionable. No. So, um, you know, there's just like a bunch of different people doing it, but I kind of feel like it's beautiful in a way because I, and this is another thing, like I learn by people who are doing things outside of my domain and then applying it and distilling it. So, you know, a few years ago, I ended up going to a fashion conference. Now, I don't know a thing about fashion. In fact, Mm -hmm. like I'm a big fan of a jumpsuit because I'm like, I don't have to think about it. Like it it all fits, (laughs) it all matches. Like I'm just not that person. So I was like, why am I going to this? But it really did help me understand the way that like, um, fashion content creators work, the way that pattern makers work, the way that stylists, like actually laying out outfits and shooting them and styling from a creative perspective. And I started taking all of this information and really understand like, how does this apply to my business? So then Mm. all of a sudden, I became better at doing lay flats. So as part of Social Curator, we have stock photography. And as a photographer, I started designing lay flats, but I was uh, pulling from the information that I had pulled from like a fashion conference. Mm -hmm. It's like when you come about creating patterns, what does a pattern maker look for? And then I started realizing I can apply how to create a pattern for clothing to what I see in the social landscape and then teach people how to do that for their business. And so it's I, I love going to different places and things yeah. and then yeah. really um, honing in for the community. So pattern making, meaning I know lay flats, you're meaning like talking about like when you're putting clothes down and you're shooting them the looks or whatever the products are, you're shooting them yes. sort of on yes. top of them and you're making them look yes. great. Or yes. even if you have a backdrop or whatever, but yes, understood. So, but what are the patterns are you talking about? So like a pattern maker. So think about any type of like fashion reality show where somebody is taking like a piece of fabric and they have okay. to work from a pattern. And mm-hmm. so a pattern maker was, well, I went to like a panel and there was like three pattern makers and they're talking about their approach. Now here's the thing. I had no nothing about pattern making, but the way they had, they talked about like, what are you thinking of working backwards, laying it out, um, designing it. And I thought to myself, oh, a pattern is quite honestly something you cut out from like a thin sheet of paper on a piece of cloth that you could then sew and replicate. But a mm-hmm. pattern exists in society. Like history mm-hmm. is a pattern. Social mm-hmm. media, like the next social platform that comes out, whatever that is, Christy, it's going mm-hmm. to emulate the pattern that other social media fo- platforms have taken. Everything mm-hmm. from 
Twitter, to iterated to Facebook, to iterated mm-hmm. to YouTube, that iterated mm-hmm. to Instagram, that iterated to Snapchat, that iterated mm-hmm. to TikTok. They all follow a similar arc. Mm-hmm. So I'm always on the lookout for what is the next social platform? Because if you get on the arc early, Mm-hmm. That is where the windfall mostly happens. Yes. So it's like you apply this to every aspect of your life and business. I see yes. patterns. What do you think the next what do you think the next social media place is gonna be? It hasn't really been created yet, right? I do see a lot of activity from an app called Be Real. And it's Oh, the I've been hearing about that. <laughs> it's because it's the because it's the antithesis of everything we know and classify uh-huh. as social media. And I actually think that because it's so opposite, it actually and they have like a really high take up rate. They have like tens of thousands of reviews in the app store. And the premise of Be Real is that it accesses both sides of your camera. So you're taking a selfie and then you're taking whatever's on the other side of it. There's no filters. You get a notification on your phone that says you have to post now. So if you're in PJs, if you're eating spaghetti, if you're out on a run, you're taking these photos and it populates with a group of your friends or whoever follows you around what it is that you're doing. And when you talk about creating community, when you talk about showing up authentically, yeah, that is really just like no filters, no curation. It's wow. where you at, what do you use that you're doing? Mm-hmm. I wonder, I just wonder how the uh, the sponsored content's gonna be on that. <laughs> I'm just waiting I with my, my jar of, you know, uh, skinny tea or whatever, and just waiting <laughs> for that notification to pop up. <laughs> but here's the thing, Christy, you saw the pattern. You saw the pattern. Right, you right. know what's happening. You already went to, okay, I need to have like my skinny tea or my hair jellies, just waiting for my notification to be like, oh, what? <laughs> Hey man, choose your heart, right? Exactly, exactly. And it's so funny when people want to hate on sponsored content because my my take on it, you know, like today and yesterday, I had I had something for Walmart yesterday, and I had something for Disney today. And these are, you know, predetermined deadlines that sometimes end up being very close together. And I am very aware of the fact that TikTok is like so allergic to sponsored content you know they really don't like it but they'll put up with it if they like you right and if they like you enough they'll even root you on they'll be like get your bag you know like do your thing and that's what you could hope for right is that that Mm -hmm. people really don't want to judge you for doing you because i don't i don't know your take on sponsored content and and whether there's limitations to it and whatnot i'm actually kind of curious how you see that in terms of managing it Is, is there such a thing as too much sponsored content it, honestly, it depends on the creator and the audience. There is not a singular right answer ever. Right. We see every day these mega influencers that virtually every post yeah. is sponsored content. Yeah, like, like every makeup, post makeup is people or absolutely, Michaela or absolutely, whoever, right? Absolutely, mm-hmm. absolutely. And so we know, we can't say, oh, sponsored content doesn't work. And I'm like, well, actually they're making millions. So right? w- where you see somebody do it well and execute and make a living, it's proof of concept and the path has been carved for you. So mm-hmm. if you so desire to pursue that, well, then the model has been set. Can you follow the model and then make it your own? Mm-hmm. Do I think that an audience that's not accustomed to sponsored content and then all of a sudden seeing a flex of it is going to pop the other way possibly but you Mm -hmm. just never know until you until you put it out but to each their own like I'm always interested in seeing how it's done and here's the thing when sponsored content is done well it is such a nod to that person's creativity to an understanding of their audience and a respect of how the content is going to be displayed when Mm -hmm. done well it's it could even improve your brand too Oh, I love that. I do. I really do love that. I've been trying to balance it with good content that's not sponsored. I've been basically- Of course. The, yeah, but it, but there's a hustle with that. And so I think that the compromise is just to really focus on understanding how to negotiate that um, and not compromise your, uh, like you said, your authenticity with, okay. with yeah. the quality of your stuff. So, okay. So how is it with you being a mom now? How are you balancing- you know, having that time with your baby girl and and then also, you know, do you block schedule? Like what what exactly do you do? <laughs> Tell me. So, <laughs> you know, I mean, it was probably some of the toughest times in human history for us to go and experience a worldwide pandemic yeah. where we just didn't know the outcome. Mm-hmm. I will say, though, that it was the most unexpl- unexplainable perfect blessing in our life because prior so my husband and I adopted a baby in January mm-hmm. 
2022, excuse me, 2020, (laughs) in January, 2020. And unbeknownst to us at the time that the world was going to shut down a month and a half later. Oh my gosh. That was around the time that it took us for us, we adopted her in Nevada. It took us, we were in Nevada for about four or five, five weeks, we came back, we were placed with her on February 2nd, 2020, which is a palindrome, 0202. Oh yeah. 2020. It was a big, it was a big date for us. It was a big date for us. And so we come back and less than a week later, everything's on shutdown. Mm. And it gave the three of us so much time together. So I was traveling extensively, speaking, creating, and then all of a sudden everything stopped. And it was like, I had the opportunity, yes, to work, but I was working from home Mm -hmm. with a baby and she was an angel baby and she loved to sleep and she would work, she would sleep next to me while I was working. And now two and a half years later, she is a, she is a, a dream child. She, at the time of this recording, she's napping. And so we're able to work, I know. And (laughs) like you could set, you could set, you could set your watch to her. She's like Big Ben. I'm like, this baby Uh, girl needs to be out at seven. She needs to take a nap at one. Like she's just about it. She's about that life. Um, And so it's been great (laughs) because my husband and I work from home. And so we have had very open communication. I Mm -hmm. am a working mom. I'm not a mom who works. Mm-hmm. And I love both of those. I love them both. There's not a right or wrong. But no. we have made an adult decision that during working hours, I'm working. And mm-hmm. now obviously there's a ton of room and we get to enjoy lunch with her and we get to see her and experience her. But when I am working, that is my priority. At the time of this recording, the doors are closed. And when the office doors are closed, like I am working not to be disturbed. Mm-hmm. And so that is what works for us. I also know it's a luxury to be able to work full time with my husband and business partner and that mm-hmm. that is not a luxury for many. So mm-hmm. I do absolutely understand that. But I want to end my work day at 6 p.m. Mm-hmm. 5.30 ish. Yeah. And if I do that and I know everything that needs to get done, mm-hmm. I know that I'm not working an eight or 10 hour day. I work very long days. So my day starts at 4.30. Again, that Oof. is not, I know, Christy, I know. I see that and people are immediately like, ugh, I can't stand this. I know. I am just saying what works for me sure. is to have a block of hours that I am not having to work with my team, that mm-hmm. I am not responsible for my daughter, mm-hmm. that I am not in communication with my husband. Those are my hours to create, to build, and to do. Then I start okay. my work day and I am everybody else's on my team. And then during breakfast, lunch, dinner, bedtime routine, I am 100% yeah. my daughter's. And again, this is my cadence. I have found that it's worked for me and I yeah. feel very blessed, but everybody does it their own way. You know, I've, I'm not a morning person. Are you a morning person naturally? Or did you find a way to become that with the baby? I, I have been waking up at, at 4.30 for, okay. for a very long time. I think okay. that more, like I was like an early riser is kind of be like 6.37. And then okay. I just started realizing that I would get like twice as much done with without the distractions. I like the dark house. I like a cup of quiet. coffee. I like getting in the quiet. Yeah, mm-hmm. I do. Mm-hmm. I do. It's frame the quiet, me. the focus. I I feel that mm-hmm. I haven't I haven't done that, and I've I've been very very tired with the content creation. Transparently, Ugh, girl. It's, um, yeah, right. It's a grind, and it, there's an, it never ends. And I've even no. seen a lot of creators that I really like and respect who are pretty big on TikTok leave TikTok. You know, like they're mm-hmm. taking breaks. Oh, yeah. Some of their check. Yeah. Some of them are checking themselves into mental health like yes. situations, you know, yes. like I am feeling for them because I'm seeing them burn out in real time mm-hmm. and they're still posting about it because TikTok embraces that. So, you know, that mm-hmm. content will do well, but it's hard to watch some of these people mm-hmm. having this hard time. And so I've been in traditional, you know, entertainment industry for a long time. So what that usually looks like, though, is that you have a hiatus, right? Like you can actually, right. you can actually <laughs> right. like shoot a whole series, right? And then you have months off, or you shoot a film, and then you go on to, you know, the next audition and whatnot. So this is a never-ending thing, and and with that, in that concept of choosing your hard, that just kind of that just kind of comes with it. Do you have any, I guess, advice? And I know we've been talking a while, and she's probably gonna wake up, and I don't want to. Like, <laughs> But do you, should I whisper, um, uh, do you have any advice for people who are sort of struggling with social media and, and just sort of the ebbs and flow of that content creation grind right now? Me included. <laughs> you know, I, I think that our, 
again, it's just going to be like I'm the daughter of my father and it just, I kind of just, I do things I don't want to do to get what I want. Interesting. And in order for us to get results that other people don't have, we must do things that other people won't. Mm-hmm. And when it comes to social media, my objective isn't to be like, I need to go viral with every post or I need to have the most likes or the most comments. Okay. My objective only and ever is to be consistent. It mm-hmm. is consistency that builds brand. The mm-hmm. more you show up and the more that you balance your content. Now, I'm never an advocate to sacrifice your mental health or wellness. It is always you, your terms. But sometimes I see people use it as an excuse or a crutch. Mm-hmm. And in order for me to make a cognizant, a cognizant decision to take a break, and I have, I've taken, I'm like, hey, I'm going to be off social media for 10 days. I'm not going to mm-hmm. have my phone. I'm not going to have my laptop. This is what I'm going to do. I do it multiple times a year. I'm totally okay mm-hmm. with it. But mm-hmm. I need to be cognizant. I need to be on the front end. I am choosing to do this. I'm looking forward to it, to that. And mm. every Sunday I just sit down and I'm like, okay, what is the content flow? What is going to be a long form video? What is a short video? When am I going live? When am I going to put an inspirational quote? And I just have to mark it down. And then all of a sudden, I no longer have an excuse. I have Mm -hmm. the plan. Now I just need to stick to the plan. But again, that is not an answer for everybody. But I look at social media as like, if you're going to choose to live a healthy lifestyle, if you're going to choose to work out, well, then you go to the gym. (laughs) that's it and if you choose to build your personal brand or have a business or build a community or have Mm -hmm. advocates for who you are well Mm -hmm. then you do the work Mm -hmm. you don't get the results without doing the work that's so true and people don't want to hear that because i think that it's that impulse control of people being so excited if they go viral once twice or if they you know have those sales that come in for one product but you know not the Mm -hmm. rest so i can only imagine that People want the easiest layup all the time. And they get kind of get addicted to that feeling of, oh, I didn't really have to do much and look at at what came through for me. Mm -hmm. Like some of these deals, transparently, like they're they're you don't you don't have to do many things. Some you have to do a lot of things for, right? And Mm -hmm. and and it's just a client by client thing. But some of them you don't have to do much and you get paid really well. So Mm -hmm. it's it's a balance, but if you're showing up consistently and the protocols stay the same, then that's probably, you're right, the best way to to be your own boss in a way, huh? Absolutely. Awesome. Absolutely. Absolutely. So now looking for the future, did you say that you and your husband were sort of working together on everything? That has been the case for over a decade. That's amazing. And so mm-hmm. where where are your guys' goals now? What, what are you guys looking to do now in terms of growth or what are your next plans? So um, we have our heads down building social curator. This is going to be like, this has been a labor of love. It has been a love child. It has been a for real, like, you know, kick to the head and a punch to the gut and us figuring out our way through it. I, I just... Mm-hmm. I probably wouldn't, to my worst enemy, I would never say, hey, you know what you should do? Go start a tech company. That's exactly what you should be doing. I, should, I will never say that. And you know, we're, we're all in. And You should move to Austin because no, everybody who's I know, in tech is here. That's true. That's true. That's true. That's the true. weather is not as um, nice even as you are experiencing it now. The weather is rough here. So I have heard. So I have heard. But, you know, to build something with with him is the is the greatest adventure and to do it with him and to be challenged and to be pressurized and to find the joy and to celebrate the wins has just been this unexpected thing. And I think to myself, if in the process of us figuring it out, we were able to find happiness. My God, what more could I ask for? And just today he um, had taken her to the library and he had snapped a photo with some of the girls that she loves hanging out with the library with. Mm-hmm. And I looked at her and I just thought, oh my God, here I go. <clears throat> Get a little oh, lump in my throat. Mama. And I just think to my, exactly, exactly, yeah. exactly. I think to myself, what more could we ever want to have a healthy child, mm-hmm. to live in a safe and secure home, mm-hmm. to help other people, mm-hmm. to create and to make a living? My God. Mm-hmm. My God, how far we have come. And I think to myself, what a gift. And so mm-hmm. on the hardest days, I always remember, it is. I, this is the hard that I choose. And I'm so, so, so fortunate to do so. Oh, thank you so much for, for all of these amazing words. I mean, you are and will continue to be an inspiration for me personally. 
And um, thank you for, I've extracted certain information from you today. So I apologize. <laughs> I love it. Are you kidding me? I love it. <laughs> I was like, ooh, I'm getting a free session. <laughs> <laughs> I love it, Christy. I love it. Elizabeth, my producer, she was like, don't, you know, make sure you ask her about your journey. I was like, yeah, yeah, yeah. No, I need about, I need to know about algorithm, you know? <laughs> <laughs> That's amazing. Oh my God. But for real, thank you. Thank you for all that you, you do, because I, I mean, I, can I, I Jones join social curator like how can we find you where can we where can we oh you are you? so amazing you can find <laughs> us at socialcurator.com and in all social platforms at jasmine star mm-hmm. all right so you guys gotta go check her out because she she's she's amazing thank you christy all right. Well, Jasmine, um, I will let you get back to your block schedule and slash baby, <laughs> baby, baby mama, you know, smooching That's right. Oh, That's right. Such a wonderful job as it is, too. Thank you, friend. And again, like, really, thank you so much. I support you 100%. And if there, if there is anything that I can ever do to, for your community, it, 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 consider that an open invitation. And thank, thank you. you for, you know, being vulnerable. Thank you. And so what I hear is when I'm in Austin, I get to like hang out with you. That, you get that to stay in my house. Me. Yes. <laughs> we, we get to take you to all the amazing restaurants. I'm and here for it. I'm here for yes. I'm book a ticket. I'm a book oh my a ticket, gosh, girl. No, I'm going to uh, hold you. Yes, you better come. If mm, I see that you're here and we don't go to I Franklin's know. Barbecue. <laughs> I'll I'd be would, like, I would, thank you. Thank you, Christy. I appreciate you. You are the absolute best and I am going to take you up on it. If Maybe not Ooh, barbecue because I'm a vegetarian, but definitely coffee because Austin does not mess when, with its caffeine. They are so serious about their coffee shops. Like they're (laughs) legit serious. So I will take you up on that. Okay, amazing. Thank you, Jasmine. Thank you. Vulnerable is hosted by me, Christy Carlson Romano. Produced by Elizabeth Joy Windham and executive produced by Brendan Rooney. Our sound engineer and editor is Elizabeth Joy Windham and our video editor is Eduardo Gamba. Follow Vulnerable wherever you listen to podcasts so you can join me every week for a vulnerable conversation. And be sure to follow Vulnerable on Instagram and TikTok at The Vulnerable Podcast. And make sure to tune in to my YouTube to watch the video version. 